Did you get that new filter that where we? Yeah, all that's sound what. Pretty? That's why we're all sounding like we are. Okay. Excellent. So wow. We can just. Uh, well, we're pressed for time, so we just have to make the. You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some are made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel halfway around the world, and actually just up from Southern California, just to get to you. Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and how you might change your house into a beer storage device. (laughs) The best part about the beer school show is the homework. The homework is beer. And if that's not motivation to do the homework, I don't know what it is. So we have a very special guest today. He uh, flew in, not to talk to us, but to be part of the festivities that are coming up in the next week or so. Yay. Yay. My birthday's not till January. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> not those festivities. <laughs> not those festivities, right. So we have um, all the way from Southern California. Dr. Bill. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. From behind me on. the orange curtain. Now, where yes. exactly from Southern California are you from? I'm in Orange County in the city of Orange, which is right next to the famous city of Anaheim. Where the mouse lives. Where the mouse lives. D-Land. That's where D-Land? Yes. Or B-Land? D-Land. D-Land. That's what all the locals call it? That's what I call it. There's no beer in D-Land. There's not much beer in Orange County as far as breweries, but there are some excellent brew pubs, and that's what we strive to So basically, on. because of that, that's why you made what you made? No, that's not why. I think my my house is considered the third best beer pub in all of Orange County. In just, well, I would say California. Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> I've never been there, but the things that I've been hearing and the things I've been reading make all point, all signs point to cool. It's the price is right. It's free. So I like to have as many people come over as I can and share the wealth. So tell us about what's in your fridge, just so that everyone knows. Uh, I have a few fridges around the house. (laughs) Uh, My main fridge, you have to picture going into a 7-Eleven and reaching for a Snapple. Now take four of those doors long, that deep and that high, and that's in my garage. There's approximately, at any time, 850 to 1,200 different bottles of beer in there, which I keep for uh, sharing with myself and my friends. Uh, Usually ageable beers, beers that uh, have a longer lifespan so that I can um, do a lot of vertical beer tastings and and a lot of unique beers for people to try. Uh, Then I have, of course, the regular everyday refrigerator, which has uh, a lot of uh, more what you call session beers, beers that you want to drink fresh and have at your beck and call on any given moment. Uh, my lovely fiance Rem, who's accompanied me, is a quite the hop head, so it tends to be overbalanced with hoppy beers. <laughs> and then I have a kegerator, and of course, there's always room around the keg to stick more beers, and a few micro cellars that are around the house that I have temperature control of that I like to pour my beers in. So give or take fifteen hundred beers at any given time. In That's the house. a lot of beer. Yeah. What's I've your seen power it. bill? It's a lot. Uh, it's pretty reasonable. It's not. It's really. It's not the beer. It's the seventeen-year-old in the house that ups the power bill. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. The learning to play guitar. Yes, and all of the things that and go with power. PlayStation Three and computers. That and, does use a lot of power. PlayStation Three. Yes, and leaving the lights on in the house and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, so eighteen hundred beers. Now, how did you get into beer collecting? I like that. I was at fifteen hundred. I'm at eighteen. <laughs> we like to round up on the show. Um, <laughs> but I. Uh, well, the story is um, when I was actually fifteen. And no, that wasn't the legal drinking age 30 years ago. But when I was 15, my father and his best friend caught myself and my two best friends who happened to be twin boys and also happened to be the sons of my father's best friend in the back building a Lowenbrow tree. Now, a Lowenbrow tree is basically drinking a case of beer and putting it on all the tree branches, the empty bottles. <laughs> now, it wasn't a great... Lohenbrau. It wasn't Munich Lohenbrau, and it wasn't Swiss Lohenbrau. What it was was the everyday Stroh's Lohenbrau. But at that time, I didn't know better. Right, the marketing Lohenbrau's. So what happened was, luckily for me, my father and his friend Bob didn't decide to take a strap to us, as was known to happen in those days. What they did decide to do was make a deal with us. My father had been in World War II, and what he had done was um, waiting for D-Day. He had experienced a lot of English ales in London. And then once he got over into Germany and uh, followed the First Army around with George S. Patton, he learned to experience German lagers. So even though he was a single malt scotch drinking man in the days when I was 15, he did know what good beer was. And so their deal was if we would decide not to drink and drive, since we were all getting close to driving age at 15, they would go down to our local beer emporium, which at the time was called the Liquor Barn, which was all over Orange County in Southern California, and had the largest selection of beer back in 1977. And we would get a six-pack or two of different beers, primarily imports. There were very few microbreweries at the time. And we'd get to taste them, the five of us, at the house every weekend. What a cool father. Yes, that's what I thought. So by the time I was 18, we'd already tasted well over 1,000 bottles. And by the time I was 25, I was almost up to 5,000 bottles of beer that I had tried. So your teenage hobby. Turning beer <laughs> turned, turned into a lifetime sport. So lifetime sports, yes. This year, this month, 30 years enjoying fine beers. You know what's crazy about that is that um, that's 66% of the time the Tornado has been open. I know. It's amazing. And I, I was just thinking the other day, wow, that's two-thirds of my life. I've been drinking beer, and I'm only 45. Too bad there's Amazing. not a, yeah. Too bad there's not another planet to go try. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, beer is my passion, and that's what that's what I'm here for. So it's just beer, right? No, actually not. I'm uh, what they call a Burgundian. I love everything. That's the finest things in life. My passion is beer, but I'm also have great range of different spirits, wines, cigars, music. Movies, food, you name it, whatever the finest things in life. And I don't mean finest as the most expensive or gourmet. What I mean is things that we appreciate. Things Never never take second best. Always find what you like, defend it, and enjoy it. Whether it's the Budweiser that you can get on tap at your local or the rarest Belgian Lambique that you can find. Enjoy what what you like and promote it. So we have some things to enjoy, um, some things that I've... Well, I didn't know about that. Um, I've been looking forward to that. This is brand new, and 
I don't know about that yeah. either. Yes, uh, we have a few beers to taste today. One of the first beers we're going to try is the Session Lager from Full Sail. Uh, it's made by John from Full Sail. And I first discovered this at the GABF a few years back. Uh, the Falling Rock, which is the unofficial headquarters for the GAB- GABF in Denver, is where all the brewers and professionals hang out on a regular basis after the fest. And what they've found is their house beer that they love is the Session Lager. It comes in a little stubby uh, 11-ounce bottle. Looks like a Red Hook bottle. Yeah, it does look like an old. It does look like an old Red Hook or an old Ballantine beer bottle, and it's a five point one percent lager. That's just a regular everyday beer. So I thought we'd wet our palates with that. Uh, following up on that, we're going to try beer from one of the, a few of the more creative brewers in the country. Uh, the next beer is going to be Devotion. Devotion is. Pr- made by Tommy Arthur of Pizza Port fame. He is now running a production brewery also owned by Pizza Port called The Lost Abbey, and he's doing a beer called Devotion Ale. Uh, After that, we're going to do a great beer by Allagash called Victor Ale, which is made with red grapes. And, of course, we can extrapolate on all these as we go along. And then we have a special surprise beer to finish on. Cool. Right now we have the session beer port. This is very golden. It's got nice tight head on the top and it's very bubbly yes and remember it's a lager so the lagers are going to have they're not going to be exorbitant in their their flavor profile they're going to be restrained but it's got a lovely nose as we all sniff it at the same time (laughs) we know better than to do that i know that's why i stopped myself well, I should be chatting when you guys are. Yeah, but you're filling. What, what's your excuse, Motor? You you can just talk away. I know, just babble. babble, you would, babble. would you like to uh, smell, the, smell the beer? Yes. Yeah, um, now it's a lager. It's not going to be the the key component. What you have to look at in this beer is there's no faults in this beer. No, That's no. what makes it a great lager. Yeah. You know, so many times you drink different lagers, mass marketed American produced beers, which there's nothing wrong with them, but they're made to be drunk cold because they want to hide. All the deficiencies that are found in the beer. This beer is this beer just isn't, This beer is not frozen. No. no it's, we're, we're, we're probably 45 degrees. Yeah, easily. And maybe 50. Fresh, never frozen. Yeah. And the price is right. It's 99 cents. Yep, 99 cents a <laughs> bottle. 99 cents out the door. Can't beat that. Yeah, but it's a, it's a decent, tasty lager that's just a great beer if you're not trying to, you know. Kind of a sour finish. Bit. Yeah, there's a little hint. There's a little something back there. Yep, you have a little little uh, malt. Um, there's no corn in it, but you pick up that classic lager taste right. where it, it tastes like it has corn almost in it or a hint of it, and um, it creates a, the hot bitterness creates a little tartness on the the end of the palate. But it's a it's, it's a very it's pretty and a balanced. good way to start. Very nice beer. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a lovely beer at 5.1%. You know, this is about the same size as the containers you use for the outdoor tiki torches. If you've run out of fuel or you lose those, you can put a wick in this. And oh, yeah. some you fuel. Know, backyard decorations. That would <laughs> definitely work. What a great idea. I would have never thought of that. Yes. Motor, thank God you're here. I know. Well, it, was, it was my job uh, up in Seattle to light all the tiki torches at the beach party. Good job for you. Uh, <laughs> it was hard. It was raining. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a beach party in the rain. The Full Sail Brewery is where they're making um, uh, Henry Weinhardt's now. 
Yes, uh, they they contract brewing that, um, but they make a lot of cre- creative ales. They have a, a couple different series that they're brewing, and uh, John uh, has for many years just made great quality ales. And it's you know one of the the first microbreweries in America, and it's been around for a long time. We're talking probably close to. I don't know the exact date, which is terrible. I should know all this stuff, but <laughs> we get, everybody's coming up on twenty sometimes, years. Yes. Yes. Sometimes you don't have to remember. That's all what the I find. Everybody's in their teens or getting ready for their twenties. That's right. Yeah, and it's a great location <laughs> up the Columbia River outside of Portland. Last time I was there it was probably over a hundred degrees, and you can look out and see all the people board sailing on the Columbia there because that's probably where they get a lot of their name, the board sailors, and all the the wind and that spot being famous. Around the world for for board sailing. Yes, that makes perfect sense. A big sail on the bottle. So now you travel all around the world, and you've traveled all around. The world. I have traveled all around the world, and so you—that's uh, one source of your beers. You know, the suitcase full of stuff. But how else do you? Where else do you get beer from? Well, first I should say suitcases, much to the oh, right. dismay suitcases. of my uh, mm-hmm. fiance, but. Um, I uh, various areas. Uh, I'm very lucky in Southern California to be able to have um, access to quite a, a few uh, quality uh, beer stores. The, the foremost of them being High Time Cellars in Costa Mesa, which has over a thousand bottles. Those guys are amazing. Yeah, I they mean, are. Pretty much whatever you're looking for, they have. They have, or they can get. But which is where my aunt works. Oh, oh wait, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's true. What about Rodenbach? Rodenbach. I yes. love Rodenbach. I loved it, it a lot to, more does, before Palm took over Rodenbach seven years ago. Does it make it to uh, – I heard you can only get it in Washington State, that it doesn't make it to distribution in California. That's true. They're still working on uh, distribution rights for that beer, and I believe it's available in some areas on the East Coast also. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be available everywhere. matter of fact, I had my first Rodenbach as a, a young lad – Back in 1978, mm. and it was actually in the exact same shape bottle as the little stubby bottle for the session beer. Interesting. I still I still have that bottle, as a matter of fact. But uh, to, to go back to the question, besides the beer stores, I have you know people, acquaintances, friends, lasting friendships from all over the world, England, Belgium, uh, you name it, from all corners of the United States, from up in Canada, mm-hmm. and so there's there's a Beer underground, so to speak, uh, a beer highway where you can trade and bring <laughs> beers to each other. So I have quite a few uh, wine shippers in my garage that uh, have come from various localities. That's cool. So that big box that's right behind you, that came from a listener. And that's uh, all beers from somewhere in the Midwest, uh, Indiana, Indiana uh, Ohio area. That's exactly how it works. And that's getting loaded back up with stuff from Russian River and, and Bear Republic. That's right. And so, like, it's a, you know, the, the, the stuff that's in, that we can't get here, uh, and, they've, and the listeners have, some of them, have said, hey, when are you going to do East Coast beers? I'm like, well, if you send us East Coast beers, we'll, you, we'll send you West Coast beers. Exactly. Oh, it's it's such a great deal, and you have the opportunity to try beers that you may not, not ever get your hands on unless you travel there. Um, I'm very fortunate to live close to San Diego, so I have some excellent breweries like Ale Smith, Pizza Port, Slash Lost Abbey, Stone Brewery, 
and a few others. So Except it's I, not called Pizza Port anymore. It's called Port Brewing. Port Brewing. That's the <laughs> corporate identity. What it is, they have three Pizza Port brew pubs. They have the overall um, umbrella of the mothership, which is Port Brewing, and then their uh, uh, production facility is called the Lost Abbey, and that's where Tommy's taken off with a beautiful barrel room, with I, which I last time I was there, I believe he had almost a hundred barrels. Oh, that's beautiful. And yes, <laughs> and uh, it is, and many, and all of them were full with very lovely, delectable beers. And uh, so that's called the Lost Abbey. So it goes under a lot of names, but it's all the same place. So the beer we're actually drinking right now is the Lost Abbey Devotion Ale, which is a 6.25%. Comes in a pint and nine and a half ounces. And it has a label on it that's very reminiscent of uh, the New Belgian beers in a way. Yes. No, I agree 100%. Uh, he's done a new labeling process, and uh, he's trying to promote uh, the labels on all his beer. His old famous Cuvée de Tommy is now falling under this label. And uh, so the 16... 16- Point nine is is the classic seventy five centiliter, basically uh, twenty five ounce bottling, mm-hmm. and it's crowning uh, corked, and it, he's got beautiful beers coming out of there. He's doing, uh, let's see, a French farmhouse ale, a Belgian double, uh, this devotion, which you could call a blonde ale. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also doing a remake of one of his old SPF beers. Uh, he's got two big beers that are made with raisins, uh, one of them being the base beer for his fabulous Cuvée de Tommy, mm-hmm. which is done with his wild cherries. And uh, so, no, it's he's one of the most successful brewers. Oh, and uh, Rem just spoke up and said, right, nudged me and reminded me of Angel Share, which is done in brandy barrels, which mm. is a fabulous beer. That's lovely, lovely, lovely. So the difference between the session mm-hmm. and this i would say that somebody who is not a belgium fan is not gonna like this beer but the session beer they're gonna right. like a lot well we brought the session for us to try it's it's a good uh palate cleanser and it's a good first taste beer uh we like to call it people that hang around beer a lot a transitional or gateway beer and all that simply means is we're all about beer. We want you to drink whatever you enjoy. If it's Corona, if it's Heineken, if it's Budweiser, if it's Michelob, whatever you like, enjoy it. And that's the key. But if you want to try something different, you should not try the most extreme beer available at your local brew pub or, right. or place or the highest alcohol. You should try something that can transition you from that everyday lager to something more interesting. So that's why we brought the session beer. Uh, but it's really important that you keep your your mind open and your palate open so you can try these different beers. And eventually you may be sitting here drinking these kind of beers right. with us. Well, the thing is, is that this beer is nine bucks or eight bucks. Yes. Right. So it's not a lot of money. Um, you know, there's enough of it here that you and your friends, I mean, don't just try this by yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to sit there. Because then you feel like you're like, oh, I just wasted I nine it. bucks. I have yeah. to right. drink it. But if you think of it as this is a wine bottle sized beer container and you're paying $9 for it, which how many of us that drink wine wouldn't pay $9 right. for it? Nine a, bucks for a, a bottle of wine is a great cheap. bottle of wine. Yeah. Then this is a great beer. 
This is really enjoyable. It's it's beautiful nose. I love the, the smell of it. Yeah, it's nice. But this is you know this is one of those things that, um, you know, not everyone's going to like the very first time they oh, try. Oh, of course it. not. Of course, you know the sour the sour finish, um, right. the uh, the lingering mouthfeel, um, and almost the bitey beginning. Yes, being an ale, it's 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 more complex on the front end than a lager would be and it's got some really unique qualities but it looks just like a lager it does it looks exactly it looks like just it. like a lager it's but a very it's a little bit more cloudy than the yes. session yes there there's a burst of flavor that hits your mouth as soon as you taste it's it like, and it just wraps around your tongue very nice it's like starburst of beer <laughs> <laughs> there you go which color starburst yes. it's not a starburst well, i'd say the, the yellow one the <laughs> so this is a this brewery is a brand new within the last four years three years uh geez tommy tommy's gonna kill me i want to yeah. say um no let's see uh two years ago just a little over two years okay actually uh it used to be the old St- stone brewery in san marcos oh well they stone moved out of there two yes, years ago okay. to uh the stone brewery and bistro which mm-hmm. is a beautiful facility with a fabulous restaurant and a big beer garden and the, uh, just and right the, down the street and the lagoon out in front yes <laughs> now it's a it's a great new facility that they opened up a huge new brewery so that they can spread their lovely beers around the country but uh Pizza Port was proactive enough to purchase their old production brewery, which was a great move for them. And now they're turning out great beers, and they're going to be able to distribute them in a much wider area than they were previously. For example, this beer was up here, and prior to this, there was weren't Pizza Port beers right. up in this area. No, there was no. You had to if you uh, you had to go to the bistro down in Hayward because Vic would have one driven up. Right. You know, and that was the devotion to that beer. You're like, whoa, Pizza Port, got to have some of that. And historically, the cult breweries, the special beers, that's how they used to travel around. Where we'd get our beer shipped, they'd need kegs or larger amounts. So they'd have somebody go drive a van up to Portland or down to San Diego, and they'd fill it up with beer and bring it on back. Pretty cool. So I was just thinking about the 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 flight of beers that I would like to try. Okay. Would be... Stone before and stone after. Ah. You know, before where they were in the, their smaller facility right. and then stone now to see if it was, if they were able to, you know, or how long it took them to dial it in. Well, you know what? There, there's there been some slight changes, but I think only for the better. Matter of fact, um, you know, one of their beers they're famous for, besides the Arrogant Bastard, is their Ruination Ale, which is a strong double IPA style beer. Mm-hmm. And they're now making it with a lower hop bill. In other words, they don't put as many hops in it. Mm -hmm. But it seems to most of the beer aficionados down in the area that it's fresher and hoppier than it was before. And yet their system's much larger. And what it is, they fine-tuned their brewing process with the new system so they didn't have to put as big a hop bill in and yet still achieved a great balanced hoppy double IPA. That's cool. Although I think all the East Coast people are probably saying hoppy balanced double IPA from the West Coast. I don't think so. <laughs> well, they're like, there's no, that's not possible. Yes. Well, then that's the thing with the further West, excuse me, the further West, further East you go, the less hops there seems to be in beer. Uh, 
as a whole, that used to be true. I think we're finding now that there's uh, some people that are definitely uh, trying to stretch the limits. Obviously, uh, Sam from Dogfish Head with his 120-minute IPA. That's a very good beer. Mm. But. That's a monster is what that is. Um, <laughs> that uh, beer is uh, trying to reach some new limits. And uh, Bill Kovieski from... Uh, uh, Excuse me, Victory Brewing has done some fabulous beers. Uh, Hop Wallop, his Pilsner Prima Pils is wonderfully hoppy and clean for mm-hmm. a Pilsner. Um, and so he's done some real, and the Hop Devil, which is their everyday IPA, are, are excellent beers. Uh, for years, they were doing a uh, contest at the uh, Falling Rock during GABF called the Lupulin Slam. And they would do have the West Coast Brewers versus the East Coast Brewers. And uh, Sam invented a little item called the Randall. What's a Randall? A Randall is an item (laughs) where they would put fresh hops in a container, run hoses through where they ran the beer through the hops container and back out the other side right into your glass. Wow. Uh, Vinny Slurzo of Russian River fame and Tommy Arthur of uh, Port Brewing, uh, they always felt that they didn't need a Randall. Yeah. Who's the? What was the place that has that new beer called Torpedo? Torpedo is done Sierra by Nevada. Sierra Nevada. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. the same concept. Yes, of of uh, randling beer. Yes, yeah, it's it's taken off in some areas. But this is sort of like a, a point of service device that seems to me. I've never had anything out of the Randall, but it seems sort of gimmicky too. That if you've got this big thing with hops in it that the beer is Wouldn't you have to of. replace it often for that to continue to work? Like, I, I'm not sure how long it runs through. They'll run through quite a bit, though, at these different events. So probably uh, you wouldn't want – you'd have to refill it each time you, you opened a new keg. It's kind of like, co- like coffee at some point. And the hate exactly. email from the from the uh, East Coast for my last comment can go to motor at beerschool.com. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say anybody around Manhattan – uh, go out to Chelsea Piers Brewing if you want to have a West Coast IPA because Chris Sheehan, who used to brew here in the city, uh, for the longest time, uh, go out to New York City. That was the only place you could get stuff that tasted like it came from the West Coast because he used to brew out here. And uh, so that was my home for hops until everybody else came along. And you can sit outside on the patio there and have a lovely view. Look at the $5 million boats being bumped by the $20 million boats. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't have any dollar boat. <laughs> Lovely. So you're, so um, let's see. GABF, the Great American Beer Festival. That's correct. It's coming up in October, October 11th through the 14th. That's correct. It's a little later this year, but by the way, boys and girls. So if you're planning on, if you usually go and you're planning on going, just be aware of that. It's about a week to two weeks later than usual. That's okay with me. There's a lot of stuff to do at the end of September. Oh, there always is. <laughs> There's so. always much things. Um, much things? What am I saying? <laughs> Many things. Goodly words, John. <laughs> Goodly words. It's the uh, it's the uh, session that's getting to me. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, so any advice about going? So it's four days. It's many sessions. How do you keep your head? Well... I think the first thing to do is realize that you're at a much higher elevation, so you want to start drinking as soon as you can to get 
acclimated to okay. it. Actually, no. <laughs> you want to get there and you want to take it easy to start with, see how you handle one or two beers. Uh, a key component of this would be hydrating on a regular basis. Right, because the higher altitude pulls water out of you yes. quicker. And, well, they say that every ounce of alcohol, whether it be a 12-ounce beer or a mixed drink or four ounces of wine, you dehydrate 13 ounces of fluid from your body. So if you're drinking a 12-ounce glass of beer or water, excuse me, with that, then you're kind of keeping up with the battle, and that will help you in the long run, the next day especially. Drink before you go to bed. Not yes. beer, but water. But yes, the GABF <laughs> is a huge party. It runs over four days. There are actually uh, three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. There's four sessions, though, to go to, and there's events going on all over the city. There's um, the Falling Rock, like I had mentioned before, then official headquarters. Uh, Wincoop Brewery holds a couple of events, and a lot of the other uh, chain breweries are holding events in the city. Uh, Rock Bottom, for, for example. And uh, there's just people that come from all over the world to go to this. So that everywhere you go, there's just beer aficionados enjoying themselves. Not just beer aficionados, but also beer anybody's oh <laughs> you're absolutely right well, like the there's a lot of no there you're absolutely right there's a lot of people that come just to experience who've never done it they don't you don't have to be aficionado i just like to i i'm kind of anti-term beer geek so i like to oh but beer call, geek is a really respectable thing well when the, i got called a beer geek i was like you know what okay that guy you know he's it's the right word and it's not derogatory. It's not a put down. It's like okay, that guy knows he's a beer geek. It, it, it's it's okay in some aspects, but here I am pulling out my soapbox. Um, when I buy cigars, and I buy the finest cigars I can get at my cigar store, they don't go. There's that cigar geek. They go. There's that cigar aficionado. When I go and buy a great cabernet from Napa or, or at a restaurant, they go, "Gosh, that guy's a wine geek." No, he's a wine connoisseur. But yet it's the only area that I find where people that are in the industry will call people that are fanatical about their product a base derogatory term. Although it's become accepted, as you said, and nowadays beer geek is common term of practice and many people wear it as a badge of honor, it's still always kind of burnt me after all these years that people are calling their customers a geek or a beer geek. Right. But that's just my own little pet peeve, and don't get me wrong, we're all beer geeks here. And if you want to be a beer geek, you should listen to Beer School. <laughs> the, uh, that's a T-shirt. <laughs> but as, as I was rightly corrected, a lot of people go to the GABF, and you don't have to be an aficionado, and you don't have to know a lot about beer. It's a fabulous time where you can go for four or five hour sessions and sit and try over a thousand different beers. Now, obviously, you're not going to try them all at once, but you can go around and pick and choose and take tastes of all these different things and, and learn a lot. And it's just a great time. And they have events going on in the middle of the uh, area convention center where they have classes and they show you how to cook with beer and do all kinds of amazing things. So it's just a great time to be had for all. And to borrow a term from Tornados, it's a beer drinker's paradise. Yes, I would no, have true. to concur with that. So make your reservations. 
And you have to buy your tickets early because it sells out. Yes. Actually, you can go on uh, the website. I believe it's beertown.org, Beertown. right. I think it is. And um, But if you just Google GABF, they'll, they'll pop on. And you need to become what basically a member of the AHA, uh, the Home Brewers Association, and they will uh, – and you can get your uh, tickets sent to you by the mail. And uh, it's well worth it. So I re- highly recommend it for anybody who's interested in trying new beer. It's, it's like uh, going to Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, and Six Flags all wrapped into one. Exactly. Without the sunburn. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Still have to wait in line. I've got my but, ticket. But with the hangover. Yes. The, uh, the thing that's fun about beer festivals, of any beer festival, and that was one of the, one of the homeworks that we had, was go to a beer festival. Ah, very so, nice. Um, the uh, the thing that's fun about a festival is that you can pick a style and you can stick within that style. Oh, so, oh it's highly recommended. To so do that. fat, you know, you say, okay, I want to drink fat IPAs. Okay, well then that's what you're going to stick with because your palate's going to get oriented oriented to that. Right, and you can and you'll be able to compare them, and and that's true on a especially on a festival the size of uh, the GABF because you can literally go around over three days and try. Four or five hundred different IPAs, or three or four hundred different stouts, or things like that. So it's a great thing. Not that I recommend everybody should go around and try a hundred beers each day, but <laughs> the point is you can pick and choose, and you can stay in within those style right. guidelines and really try to see what you like in that style. I'd recommend two fifty a day if you're going to get through all a thousand. That's true. That's, that's <laughs> what I, I usually just I, basic my math. Really. Or, or you know, start with three hundred, three hundred, then ramp down. Yeah. Exactly. I was no. I was walked I walked into the bar the other day and I thought that ow. that was, yeah ow. No, usually that's a joke, but um, you know, it was it was just really cool that there was three IPAs on tap. Yes, that's a very unique. And it was thing like, oh, that's great. Areas. There's three IPAs. I'm like, okay, so now I'm like it's. Now that's paled by comparison to the idea of 400 IPAs on yes. tap. Yes, it's a great uh, it's a great opportunity to try your favorite beer style and try many, many, many versions of it. You may come away not liking the beer that you thought you liked. Yes, it could be uh, it could be a case of overindulgence and deciding that you like a different style of beer. Not a problem with that. So, what's our next beer? We have something called uh, Victor Allagash yes. from Allagash. It's a beer from Allagash. Um, They originally had done, they're doing a lot of really interesting bottlings there. And uh, they did a beer called Victoria, which is a beer made with Chardonnay grapes. And so that was such a success, they decided to use some uh, red grapes, and they used the red Chancellor grapes. And uh, this is a 9% ale that uh, I haven't had before. It's, believe it or not, uh, I don't think anybody in this room's had it, so we're very excited to try it, and we're going to hopefully see if it holds up. It's kind of got a red color, like red grapes. <laughs> Could that be because it has red grapes in it? <laughs> no, it's, it does have. Well, I think, I'm here for some reason today. <laughs> I think what it. I think what it does is they didn't keep the. You know, it all grapes are the juice is white. Right, and then it just depends how long they allow the grapes to be in contact uh, with the juice. Whether you make a rosé or a red wine, or it's a, or they don't put the grapes, the skins in, and then it's so it could be cl- classically uh, a white wine. So they d- did put it in with the the grapes, and it has a beautiful color, but it's hardly red. I would say. No, it's not even barely coppery. 
maybe it's because the the uh, I held it up to the session bottle that gave it the red <laughs> glow. <laughs> but it does it does have a lovely nose. It has almost a little farmhouse nose. We call it a wet blanket it, nose. It mm-hmm. smells a little bit like the uh, the Cantillon, uh, the one with the grapes. Oh, Saint Lambinus. That's the red grape one. They also okay. uh, do the Vioron. The, yeah. The Vioron. Yeah. Um, the, the unique thing about uh, beers made with grapes is they pick up this really musty, horse blankety nose, which I just love. It can be off putting for some people, but it's fabulous. The one thing to be aware for all you out there that are trying beers like this. Uh, don't fall in the trap of over-agitating the beer. One of the unique differences with beers made with grapes is if you agitate the beer, and I'm not talking about in the bottle, but in the glass, if you if you swirl the beer around, it, the nose gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But what happens because of the, the grapes uh, that are in there themselves, what happens is the, the, the flavor profile shuts down more, and it gets tighter and tighter. So you trade off the big nose... And, and you don't have that full mouthfeel. So you have to watch that. I did that the first couple of times when I was in Belgium with these oh. big grapes. And I was just rolling it around, rolling it around with the St. Lem Venice. And it got even stinkier and stinkier and better and better. And then I go, where's all the flavor? It's all gone. It hit. <laughs> and I had to wait for it to open up again. So it's hmm. kind of it's kind of unique in the fact that that's a side effect of uh, using uh, different grapes in, in beers. So this, the first time I tasted this. I didn't like it. Okay. That was on, and then I let it sit, and then take that took another sip, and I liked it better. And I think it's just because I was not expecting this flavor. I wasn't expecting the grapes. I wasn't expecting the sour, and it hit me all at once. And it was like, okay, I'm confused. It has uh, grapes and. A little bit of orange and tartness, and it has like a little candy sugar in it. And not to make this sound snobby, but I want everybody to try this next time they have a, an, an interesting beer. Uh, you should do uh, this. You should take three sips of the beer before you decide on how that beer uh, tastes. The first taste, you should put some in your mouth and roll it around. And what that does, it cleanses your palate of whatever flavors you previously had in there. The second taste, you should put on the tip of your tongue just a little bit and pull air over it. And what that does, it opens your palate. And then the third taste is when you get the true mouthfeel and flavor of the beer. It's basically what wine people have been doing forever, but it works appropriately whether you're drinking a great Anejo tequila or a... Or a um, a rum or a single malt scotch or a great beer. And you can try it even with a simple pale ale or even a lager, and you're going to find that your taste is different from the first taste to the third taste. Mm-hmm. As I experienced just now. Yes. And if we haven't hit this yet, I've been doing my homework here. Um, it's fermented with wine yeast. Yes. Um, I'm not a brewer by any means, but I, I have dabbled in it, and I have hung out with enough brewers to know that they do like to use uh, wine yeast a lot as it um, helps the fermentation process along, which thus enables it to have achieve its alcohol level mm-hmm. and to improve. Now, there will be a bunch of home brewers that will be calling you guys and so, correcting me. Yeah. I'm sure. Of course. That wouldn't be the first fact that we got wrong on the show. <laughs> 
I don't know what you're talking about. Um, usually we get something wrong. I have no, I, no memory of that whatsoever. No recollection of that. <laughs> no recollection. <laughs> it's a lovely beer. It is. It's, I really uh, enjoy the it. The more I'm drinking it, the more I'm enjoying uh, it. They it do smells fascinating. Very sophisticated. <laughs> it's got a top hat on the label. Uh, yeah. That means it's sophisticated. Well, it's because they, they're playing on Victor, Victor Victoria because the first beer was Victoria. But yes, it's a very nice beer, and Allagash is doing some very wonderful things. That's and where are they uh, at? They're in Portland. Portland. Where? Uh, Portland, Maine. Yeah, not that Portland. Not the OBF <laughs> Portland, but Portland, Maine. The Portland I've never been to. Uh, Victor Victoria, that's the one where uh, Mary Poppins appeared topless, isn't it? Or was that some other... <laughs> no. uh, it's Julie Andrews, though, Yeah, it's right? Julie Andrews, but it wasn't Victor Victoria. It was. Uh, What's the one I'm thinking of? I don't remember. It was another one of those Blake, Ed- well, Blake Edwards movies. See, it's my job to take us off track. That's what... Oh, Sound of Music. That's what I... No. Yeah, Sound of Music. <laughs> yeah, she was topless in that, right? That was on the DVD in the uh, special that's features. Made, and that's yeah. that's who she, how she fooled the Nazis? And yeah, she, yes. she created yes. a version. That's how she got yes. the, the behind the guards, that exactly. That one of the clips at the end of the DVD. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the deleted features. Mm-hmm. <laughs> deleted scenes. Deleted Climb every man. Yeah, see, what that, get, now that song has a totally different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> So how can somebody start collecting beer? Well, I would say um, one of the easiest things to do is go, like you said, to one of your local breweries that are holding a festival. um, Because there's a lot of small festivals in every state in the United States nowadays. It used to be 20 years ago, you know, there were very few states that you could go to. There were the West Coast strongholds of California, uh, Seattle, Portland, you had a Colorado, and then it jumped over, and you had a couple places in Chicago, maybe Wisconsin, and then back east up in New York, Pennsylvania. And now every state is doing fabulous beers, and they're all holding beer festivals. And so you have the opportunity to try different beers. But now also all all the states and cities have beer stores. Uh, there's a couple great websites on. Uh, the internet now um, one of them being ratebeer.com and the other one beer advocate i believe it's .com also but if you google either one they'll pop right up and they have uh, these different areas in their sites where you can go and look for different beer shops breweries um, restaurant friendly uh, beer places and you and you can go ahead and look them up for when you're traveling and you can try to hit those different spots but every place just about now has a pretty decent beer store and if you can ship wine to your state they can ship beer to your state for example high time sellers in costa mesa they ship beers to any state that will allow them to so there's a lot of websites and there's websites that you can go on and try get belgian beers and from Belgium, and well, I mean, you can get Bel- excuse me, you can get Belgian beers from a lot of these different sites. But you can go to Belgium beer sites, and they will ship beer directly to your door. Although I have to warn you, the shipping is quite expensive. Yes, it's big pucker, <laughs> big pucker factor. Hmm. But and then if you get onto these websites and just become a member and start going into the forums and talking, uh, they both have areas where you can trade beer. 
Uh, you can't buy beer on their sites, but mm. there's a lot of people that enjoy trying different beers from different areas, just as you had mentioned how the East Coast people wanted to hear about East Coast beers, so they sent you beers. Right. You can do that on your own uh, your own level. You can go ahead and do that. It's kind of like pen pals, only beer pals. <laughs> beer pals, that's right. And it's, it's, it's as enjoyable as getting those letters in the mail. It's much nicer when you see that box show up on your doorstep. <laughs> So let's talk about why you're here in town. Okay. Well, I'm here to see a good friend of mine, and his name is Dave Keen, and he's the proprietor of the Toronado, which is the one of the most fabulous beer bars you can ever go to. It's uh, probably, if not the the best in the top three best beer bars on the West Coast. It's he's been in business since August. 1987. So this is his 20th anniversary. Yeah. And he's holding beer events uh, over the next four or five days. And uh, so I had to come out and celebrate with my good friend Dave and his lovely partner, Princess Jen. Dave, being known as Big Daddy, you guys that are in town here in San Francisco may have, uh, if you don't know Toronado itself, you've probably had beers that have been made specially for Dave in the past, like uh, Speakeasy, I believe, does right. a Big Daddy IPA. Mm-hmm. Big Daddy Double IPA, I think. And Double Daddy? Yeah, Double, Double Daddy. Daddy. And uh, Anderson Valley's done... Uh, Beers in the past for him, Brother David. Right, Brother David. Which they do a very nice beer. There's actually, Dave is so well-loved in the beer community, there are actually at least 13 breweries that I've counted that are actually brewing special beers for his festival. That's amazing. That is, that is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. I mean, that, there's no reason for them to do that other than... That is amazing. Other than... Admiration. Okay. He yeah. has a passion for beer, and he's just... Uh, enabled he's promoted it for many many years 20 years to be exact and he's uh influenced a lot of brew pubs that are around the bay area especially on the east bay a lot of people credit him with uh they say they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for what dave keen has done so he's on five four seven hate and i believe that's lower hate it is yeah. lower right. hate even though i never understood that because it always seems like that's the higher end of hate confuses you. and the lower end it should be where they go downhill to the golden up gate up the hill so i never quite got that but then again i'm an Orange County person. You got to travel from uh, travel from the Tornado to Magnolia. I always take the bus from Tornado to Magnolia. Right, but coming back, you walk because it's downhill. Exactly. That's so why there's it's a big that's why big block. I always thought that was very unique. Anyways, uh, Dave's having a couple events. The the main event is going to be at the Tornado on Saturday at five o'clock. Uh, where they are going to pour a very special beer that Vinny Salerzo from Russian River has uh, made for Dave, and we're going to try that now. We're going to actually be the first people outside of uh, either the Toronado staff or the Russian River staff probably to try this beer. This is so cool. This beer will be released on Saturday at the Toronado, and you can even take bottles home. And uh, that's a lovely sound. And it's also going to be on tap at the Toronado. Um, What they did was they actually blended five different blends of beer into making this beer. And they blended the first two beers, and they thought it was such a great 
beer itself with that. They named a beer 50-50, and they're going to have, they took one keg of that and saved it, and they're going to serve that on tap this Saturday for you lucky few who can make it down to the Toronado at 5 o'clock. But the other beer that they bottled is um, just called the Toronado 20th Anniversary Beer. It's a 10.43% alcohol beer. But when you, if you have the opportunity to try this, you're going to be amazed at how this drinks. It actually drinks like a seven percent beer. It, the, it's, mm, the nose, bananas, it, oh, big nose. Yes, he. That's uh, there's spontaneous. One of the beers was based Delicious. with spontaneous fermentation, I believe, from the snows. I don't have all the details, but it's Vinny Salerzo. I, I would rate him with Tommy Arthur as the that. two. The two finest brewers in the United States at this time right now. And there's a lot of people that are great brewers, but I, these guys are just so creative and interesting. And I better stop talking so I can taste this beer now. This is like the first it. the first drink after Prohibition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, wow. Yeah, that's about the only thing I can say is wow. It's breathtaking. <laughs> These beers have been aged in oak, and I know one of the beers for sure has been aged for uh, at least a year. So it has this wonderful, wonderful... Oh, and I also know a few other facts I can throw in there. Mm-hmm. I know that the, the barrels were from the Firestone Brewery, Firestone Walker, okay. and these are barrels that they had used previously for their beer mm-hmm. and gave Vinny, who has quite a nice little barrel room in the Russian River up in Santa Rosa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where he aged the uh, the different beers that made this blend. But this is, wow, such a lovely beer. I'm trying to think of words to describe oh. it, and, and it's first off, it's got so many different flavors that are going on. It's hard to begin. Definitely Start. can't can't fit it in a nutshell. No, there's a bit of there's some brown sugar in there. There's some banana. There's yeah, the aroma is definitely banana. A monkey would like it. <laughs> yes. <Banana. laughs> well, the nose has a lot of complex uh, fruit flavors. Yeah. Um, I, I'm picking up uh, almost uh, a kiwi nose, some strawberry, but when you taste it, the strawberry, there's no strawberry in it. There's no strawberry in the mouthfeel. Nope. But I don't know. There's so much going on. You can almost pick up like a little cherry. You can pick up kumquat. There's so many interesting things. It's like things. a trip to the farmer's market. And, and here's something I want to say. I've been doing this 30 years. I travel all over the world. I drink great beers. Never be afraid to be sitting there with people more experienced than you and tell them what you taste and what you smell and what you think of the beer. Everybody's palate's different. Everybody's has a different ability to pick up different things. And just because you're tasting chocolate and they're tasting leather and the other person's tasting fig, it doesn't mean that you aren't all right. It's what you pick up and what you enjoy. And please don't be afraid to voice your opinion because it's really important that you can do that. And we all learn from each other. And it's really what drinking beer with your friends is all about. Well, one of the things we try to do here on the show is to get people, we just, uh, not the last show that aired, but the last show we recorded, uh, we went through a lot of the basic canned beers. And if you sit down with a Bud, Bud Light, Coors, and Coors Light, all those beers taste completely different if you take the time to sit there and drink them. And from there, you can find sort of out of those four, which one do you like? And then which direction would you head in with beer from there? With the Coors being a little bit more hoppy and the Bud being a little bit a little bit sweeter. 
but just being able, if you're used to what I like to call a gas station beer, um, if you can say, I like this better than this, then you might want to go in this direction rather than that direction. Exactly. No, that's a very valid point, and that's exactly the way to do it. That's that's how people go in and transition to a different beer style or or a more complex beer style. Boy, this beer, though, I sorry, I have to come back to it for a moment. <laughs> the, the oak is not overwhelming. I mean, it's totally there. That's yeah. all around the back. It's But it's not like this overly oaked beer. It is so drinkable right now. And that's kind of what, when I talked to Dave earlier today, he was saying that, you know, it drinks like a lot lower alcohol beer than almost an eleven percent beer. No, you don't. Take, I mean, sure. you don't take. I mean, usually when you have an eleven percent beer, there's something there that's there's giving heat you somewhere. Yeah, there's somewhere, and I don't taste the heat in this. This is so soft and rounded and just lovely, and you get that oakiness, and that's that's what brings out all those different fruits when you're picking it up is from the oak, and you start getting like ideas of like pit fruit, and you're going, hmm, is there nectarine? Is there this? Is there that? And you start picking up all these flavor profiles, and it's just lovely. Is there like there's like a sour, like a farmhousey note to um, it? Well, what sa- is that? That's the spontaneous fermentation. Yeah. Fermentation. 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 <laughs> I'm in the third fermentation. <laughs> it, it's the oldest brewing process. It's kind of where you take yeast and let them grow on their own and not be afraid uh, of where. They come from uh, the lambics of Belgium are done by spontaneous fermentation. And what that is is they just open up their windows and let the little wild yeasties fly right in and, and ferment their beer. Mm-hmm. Wild beer. Wild beer. That's right. And uh, whereas a lager beer is very controlled with bottom fermentation yeast, and the term is from the German lagering, which is where they lay down the beer and they used to lay it down in caves during the summer months so the beer would last. Mm-hmm. And then ales are top fermented, and so that's why they have a little more flavor profile overall when you're tasting them and have more extreme ranges of flavor, I should say. Lagers have plenty of flavor, but the ales seem to go so far out of their way that it's really unique. And then spontaneous fermentation is a, another animal all on its own. Literally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, this is just a lovely beer. The little snouty yeast. Outstanding. People. Bravo, everybody, for making this. It's really symbolic of uh, the kind of beers that Vinny makes, though. So if you can't get to this beer, which is obviously very limited, there are other beers that you can find, hopefully, in your areas at some of the finer brew pubs, or maybe even trade somebody if you go on one of those websites to get some of his other. Uh, Shun beers. That's a good idea. He has beers that he brews that are Belgian style that end in T-I-O-N, his Shun beers. And those beers are all his really uniquely owned Belgian styles. Like these mm -hmm. are fabulous. The Shun Fest. That's right. He's had a Shun Fest in the past. He's, I think he's up to 11 or 12 different shun beers now. Compunction just arrived, and I yes. really, really want to try Compunction. Oh, I believe Compunction is made with pluots, of all things. What's yes. a pluot? And, and it's a cross between a plum and an apricot. <laughs> yes, and it was fabulous. I actually was lucky enough to be up there. And that's another thing. When you start to do this all the time, you go up and you see your friends like Vinny, and he, go, he you know... You make sure that through the proper channels, you acquire a, a case of this before everybody else, and you get to try that beer. And that's one of the benefits of enjoying beer for the last 30 years. But you share that with your oh, friends. The and reason family. why brewers are, are willing to 
give me beers or sell me beers, and even maybe a little more than they're usually a lot to the average person, is because my passion is getting people out there to try different beers. So they know if they sell me a case of beer, that beer might go to 500, 800 different people, where if they sell a case to somebody else, it might be for him and his five buddies. Right. That's a different story. That's a different story. Exactly. I'm all about taking the beer to different places. I actually take beer to crazy places. I take beer to restaurants. I take beers to festivals. Obviously, with the allowance. Why would you take beer to a festival? I know. They say I'm the only person in the world that takes a beer to a festival. But. Because, you know, I have not enough beer at festitis. Right. And I, I've, I'm the only one apparently with that disease. But I've always felt that I want to share beer. And as fabulous as the festivals are, I, I, I love to bring beer. And a lot of times I'm sharing with the brewers. But then as the years have progressed, the brewers understand my passion. And they allow me to bring beers. And they allow me to share beers with, with uh, their other festival goers. And it just... It's it's a win-win situation for everybody. They get to try beers they haven't had before as a brewer, or maybe they have and they've loved it in the past and haven't had it in a long time. And it's something for the other fest goers to try in between drinking the different festival beers. And it's just a good time. Now with the uh, buildup of all these different uh, uh, websites like Rate Beer and Beer Advocate, you start to see that more and more. Where I was doing it 20 years ago, and I was the only one doing it. Now you see these uh, different—I uh, don't want to say kids, but they are younger than me usually. But different the, these guys that are passionate about beer and have just discovered over the last three, four, five years, ten years—they're bringing beers from all over that they've traded with, and they bring them at festivals as a meeting place to share their beer. That's that's the best community ever. I I think it's wonderful. You can't beat it. But like I said, you can bring beers to restaurants instead of bringing wine and doing corkage free. They still beer. charge you a corkage, though. Uh, it just depends. It, sometimes they think it's a novelty, but I like to bring large format bottles and mm-hmm. uh, I, I share them. And I I make sure that the um, the sommelier, if they have a sommelier or their wine steward or their waiter, are aware of what I'm bringing and what I'm doing, and I try to offer them to them. And many times I've held impromptu beer schools where I've had the sommelier, the manager, and three or four waiters coming up and tasting these beers that they had no idea that could be so complex and interesting when all they've been exposed to are some basic lagers and a, a nice wine selection. Right. Well, that's the that was the original question. It's just beer, right? You know, so <laughs> well, the the point that it's just beer is sometimes they they get confused and they feel that you know well it's just beer we don't really need to charge them for beer because it's not really wine but <laughs> nowadays there's so many fabulous beers and they're so complex and wonderful as much as I love wine and I do love wine and other spirits and everything because remember I'm a Burgundian there there's no other beverage in the world that's more complex than beer in its flavor profiles. There are so many exquisite True. things that you can have, that you can find, that you can taste with beer. And a lot of brewers and restaurateurs are understanding this, and they're doing great food and beer pairings. And as much as I love to get a pick a great wine that I'm having with my steak or my different dish, you can find just as complex and interesting beers with those dishes. And desserts. 
and desserts. Oh my! Mm-hmm. To have a wonderful imperial stout or a uh, a raspberry uh, fram, which is known as frambois lambique, with a uh, chocolate tort. Yeah. Chocolate fondue. Yes, <laughs> anything chocolate. But so many great desserts that you can pair. Uh, for example, um, this beer that we're drinking right now would be fabulous with ev- many, many things. It could go great with the creme brulee. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking something yes. with cherries on it. Yeah. Does anybody have one? No. no. We could send out for one. Motor's not driving. I mean, drinking. He can have uh, the keys and go get us Creme brulee. Yeah, creme. Five creme brulees, please. you got to have that fresh straight out of the kitchen with the top just torched right. Yes. Well, you know what? Pick up the torch on the way. Creme is something you need like that. It's, you have a torch here, right? Yeah, we have a torch. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Get on it. <laughs> See you later. Wow. We have a torch, but do we have a bottle? Do we have a bottle opener? Yeah, we have a bottle opener. Everybody's got a bottle. We all have bottle openers. That's the silliest question. And mine happens to be from Bottle Works. Nice. Oh, very nice. That's an example of a great beer store that's found up in uh, the Seattle area. So there are great beer stores everywhere now, and you can go and find the most rare, unique beers possible or a great session beer. That's true, so we shouldn't get as much hate mail this week. (laughs) Let's see. Who have we offended? The South. Even the yeah. South now is ha- has some great beer stores. There's a couple wonderful places down in Florida. Um, a lot of the southern states that previously had bans on um, alcohol level that they allowed their breweries to uh, serve beers at have opened up those levels in numerous states over the last 10 years. Like South said, Carolina. South Carolina was the most recent example. Alabama is still stuck at six. Yeah, there's still a few that aren't, but you know what? You can have a fabulous beer at 4 or 5% if it's well-crafted. It doesn't have to be over 6%, but they need to not hold limits. They need to not hold limits over us, and they need to allow us to have the, the brewers be creative and try whatever styles they want at whatever alcohol Let level the people they drink. want to do. That's right. Let the people drink. Here, here. Clank, clank, clank. Clank, clank. Now, I remember uh, going to Squatters some time ago in Salt Lake City, and they were doing really good beer with the, uh, you know, within spitting distance of the Mormon Temple. <laughs> they are not, yeah. There, there's uh, Utah's going to be a s- tough nut to crack, though, unfortunately. Uh, they don't allow you to transport beer through Utah. So I recommend anybody who happens to be bringing beer up to the GABF this year and driving. Do not drive through Utah, else they may have the same kind of problem I had one time, where I had a beer mule taking beer up for me, a few cases or so of wonderful, fabulous beers. And uh, to be honest, he was... His name was Chris. And to be honest, he was bringing great beers of his own to trade and share, and I just happened to piggyback some cases on for my tastings that I hold up there at the GABF Mm -hmm. every year. And uh, he was pulled over for speeding, and they confiscated his beers for transporting them across state lines. How much beer? Uh, probably a couple thousand dollars worth of beer. Oh, somebody had a good night. Yeah, they're, the cops were like, woo! <laughs> Actually, unfortunately, they didn't because um, I, apparently what Utah's issue is is there's no state tax in Nevada. So people would go and pick uh, up cases of Budweiser, and you know, 20 cases, them. and drive them over. So they regulate it. But even though he explained that it was just driving through and it was a special case and they can see all these rare and unique different types of bottles and whatnot, 
they still held the beers. He went back a couple months later and tried to uh, negotiate for their freedom. And actually, <laughs> the assistant district attorney was willing to do that, but the DA squashed that. And the sad news is they had him pour out all the beer. Uh, nobody even enjoyed it. Yeah, so they didn't even... I would have been what happier if the... Uh, Salt Lake City Police Department had had a party, but unfortunately nobody got to experience all those wonderful Here's to shipping our trash to Utah by rail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so be careful if you're driving through there. I, I actually drove to the GABF two years ago, and I drove 62 miles an hour all the way through, and it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful state, a lot of lovely rocks, but after the first three hours, it gets old. Make sure you don't have tinted windows. Yes, because mm-hmm. yeah. they they uphold. Check your tail lights. Check your, check your tags. Make, tags. Make sure your tire pressure is right. Don't wear sunglasses. But a couple extra vibes, <laughs> especially at night. And what's the address that all the Utah um, listeners can send their mail to? Five sixty three Second Street, San Francisco, nine four one zero seven. All right, well... Um, Make sure it's there if it's FedEx for uh, 10 p.m. delivery, because that's about when John gets into the office there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we're about finished with this, unless okay. there's anything else we want to add to the... To the well... Next. Oh, you know what we have? We forgot. We have one thing to talk about before okay. that, and that's the homework. All right. Homework. There's always homework on beer school. Excellent. So the the homework is ranged from everything from go to a beer festival, like I mentioned earlier, okay. to uh, to um, volunteer for a beer festival, um, get the beers that we just had together, uh, you know, or do your own beer versus beer, any of that. So the homework this time is to start your beer collection. Ah, very good. And that is find something that you might want to um, taste nine months from now to see if it if uh, uh, if it changes dramatically, if it gets bad uh, or it gets better. Um, something that you can do a pairing with, so you can say, okay, I'm going to try. This would be a weird pairing, but Sierra Nevada from nine months ago and Sierra Nevada from now. Oh, that'd be interesting. You know, to see you know, to see what that that's like. But anyway, start your beer collection. Excellent. And anybody who's interested, uh can feel free to actually email me. I've been collecting beers. Uh, I told you I had 1,500 beers in my cellar. Well, that beer selection, about 800 to 1,000 bottles rotate every year or two by all the festivals I go to, uh, much to the chagrin of my fiancé who keeps the finances. Um, and uh, so you guys can all email me if you have any questions about starting a beer collection, aging beers, what kind of beers to get. You can email me at drbill77 at hotmail.com. That's D-R-B-I-L-L 77 at hotmail.com. And I want to thank John and Motor and Rosie for letting me come on here. And I just want to say that it's really important to, uh, for us all to appreciate where we're at right now. We're at, in, in the history of beer, which is 4,000 years old, we're living in the greatest time ever. As I said, 
Every state is making fabulous beer. I guarantee you, no matter where you live, within 100 miles, 50 miles, 20 miles, two blocks, there is a place that's making fresh, flavorful beer. And you guys all need to go out and experience that beer because it's so wonderful that it's everywhere now. And you have the opportunity to go different places. And there's beer festivals and there's sites that you can use to research, to look up different beers and understand what kind of styles you might like. And they have ratings and they describe the beers before you even purchase them it's it's so wonderful and i just really want you guys to all experience a little bit of my passion and just go out there and try to enjoy these beers well thanks uncle <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no it is a fun it is a fun time to be around beer because well for a couple of reasons one of them is is that the guys that are making and controlling and and growing the yeasts know more about the yeast than they've ever known ever. Oh, exactly. There's uh, it went from one or two uh, yeast banks to now there's banks, uh, dozens of places that do fine yeast, and yet and yet the the forerunners like uh, White Lab and Y Yeast and those places have such extensive libraries of yeast. They allow the home brewer who we haven't even touched on, right. to go out there and just make the most fabulous beers in the world. I go to the Home Brew Festival every year in Southern California, and the beers have gotten better and better. We're in, I, I don't know, they're going to send me email, but it's <laughs> maybe it's their 15th, 16th year, and I've gone to almost all of them, and the beers just seem to get better and better every year, and it's just amazing what these brewers can do. It's about the dedication. Yep. It's all about, about dedication. dedication, learning, sharing. Being doing part your of love what you do, do what you love. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, we only have one last thing to say on beer school, and that is class dismissed. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor Bill. Oh, no problem. This is great. Have you ever seen Dave drunk? Dave Keen? Oh yeah, I pulled his hair for him. <laughs> <laughs> so can you beat him at washoes? Because he's nearly unbeatable. You know, I don't. I. No, I can't beat him at wash shoes. I actually am usually laying side bets on the side. I don't usually participate. I usually try to clean up on their action. Um, and sometimes you get some rubes that come in and they uh, don't know how good Dave is. But yeah, that's a brewer thing. The brewers they just love that. Yep, and that's basically the washers in the hole. Let's throw big, oversized industrial washers into holes. And it sounds like and they, fun. And they do it for hours. <laughs> hours, I'm telling you, they do. It's the Not most even, I'm going, what's the bet? You know, I, I've i been asked to play a few times, and I go, what are we playing for? And they go, nothing. Nothing. And I go, well, that's just silly. That's just silly. Let me make some side bets on the side. But, uh, yeah, no, they love playing that game. They play it. They'll be playing it this weekend, I wonder I'm sure. where they're going to play it, because the whole place is going to be packed. Yeah, I don't know. They used to when they oh, do, out front. That's where it's going to be. There you like, go. Yeah. Across yeah. the street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do it across the street for the Toronado Barley Wine Festival because uh, one of the local uh, owners of an establishment, I think it's some type of men's club, uh, but not that kind of men's club, kind of like a Elks Club type thing. He allows them to take over their uh, meeting room and do the judging. And they have the washus set up there, and they go until the last minute playing there. And then you go over to place people's houses like Vinny or Dave's, and then, of course they have their home sets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's a it's a crazy addiction. Yes. And once you start playing, you're like, I can't stop playing this game. You need to design washos for the Wii. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. 
There you go. We shoes. We shoes. A lot of washers through TV <laughs> screens. That'd be good. Have you experienced no, no, no. any, you any don't wee injuries? Uh, actually, actually, I did. We did have. I work in an emergency room, so actually, we did have somebody who had a sore wrist from playing like golf for like three week, three <laughs> weeks straight. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. So Some and, broken televisions from the yeah. from the tennis. But you hear part. stories. There's, yeah. Uh, broken tennis yeah. shoe. We is dangerous. We is dangerous. If not used appropriately. Mm-hmm. But that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Washes for the Wii. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wii shoes. <laughs> well, what this, elsewhere? Nico did a Wii great shoes. <laughs> Wii shoes. That's not that's this, but that's actually very good. You want me to get another one of those? Yeah, I need to try the twenty I was gonna say I was just gonna say, wow, Nico did a great job with this twenty first amendment <laughs> IPA. It tastes just like green flash. <laughs> and oh, oh, behold, it's a green flash IPA. San Diego. You gentlemen need to this go down there and experience. Nice. You guys need to go down and experience San Diego. Oh I have. It is Including well, the ultra strange Carl Strauss Sushi House right. Brewery, <laughs> yeah, no, for they have Sunday s- brunch. They have some weird. <laughs> they have some weird places, but my goodness, the um, I used to like the place that was at right where the ballpark was. was it was there before the ballpark got built or even oh. started, uh, and had a bunch of tequila too. Yes, what was that place? I called? forget what it was called. I can't remember either. Because and. I like the pizza port in uh, Solana Beach because there's the good taco place right up the street. Mm-hmm. The yeah. crunchy taco taco. Although, have you Roberto's had the pizza port pizzas? Mm-hmm. Their pizzas are fabulous. Yeah. yeah they do a great job uh, with their pizzas. But, um, yeah, San Diego's that's like the beer mecca of the United States right now. With all Not due Portland. respect to Portland and, and, and Seattle. Seattle. Um, yeah, but when you can sit wow. on the beach, like four blocks from there, yeah. come on. Hello, dolphins. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Hello, dolphins. I'm but, having IPA. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have some great brewers there right now. Uh, Portland has the most brewers per you know per square inch. I don't know about per capita, per uh, but inch. per square inch they probably do. No, they I mean, probably do per capita too because Portland yeah. doesn't have that many people. But uh, yeah, they have amazing things, and they have the Quirky McMenamins, who aren't the most fabulous breweries. But boy, if you want to go. Watch a movie and sit in an easy chair and have beer served at your side while you're eating pizza, or go to the one that's a converted school, or I think they have a library one. Yeah, they have some really unique places. So that's really interesting. I, I was handing out cans of watermelon wheat on the twelfth hole of the Edgefield's uh, golf course a uh, week, what a week and a half ago yeah, for the uh, Brewam tournament. Oh, very nice. Twenty first Amendment sponsored the twelfth hole, and so I was there helping hand out cans of watermelon wheat and. I had a really good buzz on watermelon wheat by ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> nice. It was it was my fruit nice. it was my fruit beer day. It was uh, watermelon wheat, and I I love ruby. Uh, the McMinims, I love yes. ruby. Did you have little wedges of watermelon for the cans? No, we didn't have little wedges, but we had uh, <laughs> commemorative right. snugglies for the uh, beer, <laughs> <cozies. laughs> beer cozies for the cans. There you go. Yeah. To take home with them. And uh, the Allagash, I think, was a bit cold. Oh, I bet it's opened up. It's opened up a lot. Yeah, I'm sure it's. Uh, any any beer that's been in the fridge is a bit cold. God, this 20th anniversary. Beer, though. I know. But something. I don't else. know if it's your guys' flavor of choice, but oh my god, it's for me. Everybody says no. This is the kind of stuff I'm fanatical just, about. Mm-hmm. This beer is. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So whoever uh, writes us in, send us an email. 
to info at beerschool.com can have the last two ounces of that. <laughs> that right uh, quickly. Right quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, well, assume I'm going to leave saving, the table. We're, we're saving it in the paper towel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they can take it and wring it out of the paper towel. We're going to mail them. In the, a padded the, envelope. The damp right. paper right. towel in a padded envelope. This beer, this beer reminds me of uh, supplication. Mm-hmm. Or even a little bit of beatification. Or a little just, damnation, a little bit. Yeah. I oh, like it's, it's, it's really shunny. It is. Ah. <laughs> it's just a lovely it's very, beer. Like gingerbready. Well, that's interesting. interesting I'll, yeah. I'll drink to that. Yes. <laughs> you should. I would love to try the Allagash again now that it's warmed up. I would. I would recommend it. It's a different beer. Than so, what's we the have. every beer should be warm? What's the Victoria like? Um, you've tried Temptation. Yeah, it's kind of the difference. It's not like Temptation, but if you picture the difference between like Supplication and Temptation versus Victor and Victoria, it's kind okay. of like that. It's drier. It's because using a white grape, so it's got a lot of dryness. I don't think it has oak in it, but in other words, I don't think they used oak chips or aged it in oak. But it's got almost an oakiness around the outside, like if it was. Uh, but uh, it's it's a nice beer. I actually like the. Let me let me taste the proper temperature. I actually think I like the Victor better than the yeah. Victoria, but they have a lot of great beers. Like the Crow and you know the the uh, Mouselet and. They have about seven or eight beers that they're doing in this style now, and it's great. They had one up on the shelf that we didn't get today that I saw that was the Uma something. It was uh, Uma done. Thurman. Yeah, <laughs> it was done with wild yeast, kind of like Uma. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. That, have I recommend you guys grab that one because that's one I'm going to pick up on the way out of here, and that's that's with spon- wild yeasty bretomyces. So I think that'd be an interesting one for you guys to do. We should have a talk about that. Yeah. But that would be a lovely beer. So much to talk about. Yes. So many beers, so little time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, these are so fun. you uh, have a five o'clock, right? I do at Anchor. I do. Okay, well, we're about and 20 minutes from that's that. Right. So Bonnie's already called. Okay. I told him you'd call him as soon as you were done. Okay. You talked to him? Mm-hmm. Okay. What did he say? Was he whining like a little... No. Like a little beer he manager? He right here. I said, well, right. he just went in for his interviews. There's Brower boys. Five Too bad the Brower guys couldn't be here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Next time. Yeah, we'll, exactly. you know, we'll actually go up there and we'll have a conversation. Well, we could probably, if you guys want. Um, get them here. We, they come with me to the, the Barley Wine Festival. They're okay. such great And guys. we usually so try to make it up. For, well, we're at least here Friday. Okay. We're here Friday early, so we could do Friday during the day. Uh, Friday night we're at Tommy's till closing, so that's just a tradition. No, no, no. Thursday, you're getting your days mixed up. <laughs> Thursday, Friday we're wouldn't leaving. be the first time. Friday we're leaving. No, no, not this week for the 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 barley wine festival, uh, which is held on Saturday. Yes, yes. And then Sunday we Pay do no the back room tasting. Me. I will not be here. For that. So um, that's Friday. Friday we can do that. Hey, kid, give our guests a ride. <laughs> 